Welcome back, everyone. Well, we have a treat for you this week. We are bringing you our first live Q&A session that I guess it's not really live because we did uh, record it and we are uh, plugging in that recording, but it was live when we did it. So this is a panel that Taylor and I did at Codesmith, which is the boot camp that Chelsea, who was our guest a few episodes back, works at. And she set us up to do an imposter syndrome panel there. And it's really a great uh, just group of questions that we got to answer from some amazing individuals, some who work in tech, some who are wanting to work in tech, some who work in sort of tech adjacent industries. And we cover things like interviewing and performance evaluations and excited for you all to listen to it. It was funny because a lot of questions were coming in. It was kind of like an Instagram live, like people were just typing rapid fire. We were trying to keep up and we weren't sure how it was going to go, but there were a lot of really good questions. And I'm really happy to report that we got our first live hater and, and he had no traceable information online. So, um, it, that was truly a moment and, and now we've made it. And now we can end this podcast because we've made it and it's over. Um, but no, please stay tuned to listen to that live because I, I saw his trolling comment in the chat and I was like, should I bring this up? Like, this is kind of weird and rude, but I was like, yeah, let's talk about it because it's comments like those that, um, that try to like really keep women in their place in engineering. And you can't keep me in my place, Marco, whoever the heck you are. So, um, it was, it was really honestly a fun experience. Um, including that, like I'm, I'm still smiling because it was hilarious and I'm laughing. Um, but, but yeah, so stay tuned to hear us answer questions live. Um, and, uh, and we'll be back next week with, uh, our regular, regularly scheduled programming. We started this podcast called Impost Her, um, a name that Monica came up with after we were kind of talking about imposter syndrome. It's a big topic of conversation amongst um, women in engineering, I think, especially because we are plagued by it the most. It's just that feeling that like someone's going to figure you out, um, like, like you somehow tricked them in the interview to hire you. And then now that you're on the job, you're like, shoot, like, I, I can't do this. Why did they hire me? They're going to figure out that I'm terrible and, and I'm going to get fired. And it's not, it's definitely not only, um, doesn't only happen to women, but it happens to people that are not the minority in the group because you see fewer examples of yourself in, uh, in your profession. Right. So I have more evidence if I'm looking for it to say, okay, people like me don't really succeed in tech. So, you know, if something bad happens one day or I'm like, I feel like I'm failing then, oh, maybe it's not for me. Like I, I just have been tricking everyone. This is, this is not, you know, this is not what I'm meant to do. Um, and I think a lot of people feel this way and don't talk about it because you feel like you're exposing yourself. If you reveal that you feel like an imposter and, um, we talk about it so often now that I forget it's like a vulnerable thing to admit. Um, but it's, uh, what our whole podcast is based on because we, there are no examples out there of women or, or anyone talking about imposter syndrome, like on a daily basis of how it affects them and just kind of demystifying it and making it feel you know, like it's, it's no big deal. Like everyone has the, these feelings and kind of take the power away from it a little bit. So when you do have that feeling, you just recognize it and say, Oh, okay. You know, just having that moment. I have a lot of evidence behind me that I can do my job. I'm actually great at it. Um, and then you kind of like dispel that in the moment, but I think it comes up for a lot of people. So if you're feeling that way, you're really not alone. And we, Monica and I are senior software engineers at a large company and we feel it every day. <laughs> so I wish I could tell you it gets better. And it, it does if you really work on it, but it, it still, it still pops up just because the nature of tech, it, things are always changing. It's not like one day you're like, okay, I know, I know everything there is to know. And any ticket that comes my way, boom, done. I know how to do it. Um, that's part of the exciting part of the job is that you're likely running into things you've never seen before. So it makes every day a little bit different, more interesting and you're just basically Googling how to figure it out. You just figure it out. That's the whole job. It's it's just finding the answer. It's not that you have to have it immediately off the top of your head. So I think that helps us. Um, Monica, you have any um, any kind of thoughts about imposter syndrome that, that I didn't cover? 
Well, I can build on some. Um, I love that Josh called out that vulnerability is a strength. I'm also a big Brene Brown fan. And I think if, if we like look at that in the bigger context, vulnerability, it makes you more approachable. It makes you seem more human. It makes people feel comfortable around you. And that's really like humans wouldn't be around. We wouldn't have been evolved. We wouldn't have evolved that much if that wasn't the case. Like the reason that we've able been able to survive is our ability to form like tribe and form community. And so I really think that the more that we can kind of like unite around this shared experience, then we're all going to be better off. We might all still have imposter syndrome, but I think we'll all be more okay with it. And we'll just sort of have that awareness going forward. Like we can understand that we have it, but we don't need to play into every thought that it sort of like sparks in our mind and kind of chase that. Totally. And, and for a lot of you that are saying you're, you know, you've been in a career for many, many years or like mature, more mature stage in your career. Um, I really think, I mean, I think every day about the strengths that I have and the skills that I've built in those previous careers that are skills that are not, um, are not as easy to develop while you're an engineer skills like communication, presentation skills. Um, I mean, communication honestly is the big one and like delegating and just being able to talk to people and, and get what you need from them. So when you start out as an engineer, like you need to be able to ask questions and communicate what you need to people. Um, and if you're, if you're scared, if you're scared to do that, then then, and you try to figure everything out on your own, you're, it's just going to take so much longer. Um, and I think a lot of engineers who have known they wanted to do engineering since they were 10 years old, like rebuilding their computer in the basement, um, and they study it in college, and they've always just been exposed to the same kind of homogenous group, they don't have those skills very often. Um, and it's way harder to teach those things than the technical skills. Prom- I promise you, um, the people that get fired, I mean, I guess this may be kind of a bad thing to say, but this is not like sanctioned by headspace, but in my experience, people that get fired at companies are not the ones that have like poor technical skills. They're the ones that like have been told, okay, Hey, I need you to work on this thing. And, and it's always, um, it's always soft skills related. It'll be like, okay, like I need you to tone down whatever your, your communication in meetings, you're like, you're like lashing out at people or your um, just your communication is a little harsh and then they don't change it. Like they don't take the steps to take that feedback seriously and change it. Or they really can't take feedback. They have like such an ego that they're like, my technical skills are amazing. And like, you know, you'd be lucky to have me like all that other stuff doesn't matter. Those are the people that actually get fired from companies. Like that's the most damaging thing. It's never someone who has the best intentions, takes feedback and, and like takes action to address everything. Um, and maybe has, maybe has like not the best technical skills, but is proving over and over again that they're willing to learn and like making improvements, you are safe. So that was kind of like a long way of saying that the technical skills are so, so much easier to build than those skills that you get from, you know, 10 years working or 16, 10 years working in retail where you're like dealing with annoying customers. Guess what? Your annoying customers in tech are going to be your coworkers <laughs> or actually the customers of your job. So, um, those things are super, super transferable. And I, and I always think to myself, you know, like maybe I'm not the best technically because I don't have the 25 experience that this guy next to me does because he's been doing it since he's 15, but I have X, Y, and Z that makes me like a better teammate, um, a better friend, just like a better employee of the company that really cares about our mission. And so those things are not to be taken lightly. Absolutely. And I saw um, a bit up here to build on that. I want to make sure it doesn't get lost. Precious asked, how do you sell these skills in tech specifically? And I am on, well, I haven't done a lot of interviews recently because um, we haven't been hiring on my team, but when I have, it's something that I always look for. So I think, especially when, you know, there's always a technical portion of the interview, that's when your communication really shines. I've passed on candidates who will do a, you know, a perfect technical implementation, but if they're silent the whole time, I have no idea what's going on in their mind. And if, if they can't articulate why 
they're writing that code, like how do I know they didn't just memorize the solution from cracking the coding interview conveniently a couple of days before, and they're just sort of like spitting it out. So, uh, and alternatively, we've had people who don't, you know, solve the problem a hundred percent perfectly, but because they're able to articulate very well what they're doing, then we can see, you know, okay, your logic is sound. And if your logic is sound, then you have a computer, you can Google up what the actual syntax should be, what the actual, you know, that one uh, error that you made in that one line isn't going to hopefully, at least in the interviews that I conduct, make or break your interview. Definitely. Um, I'm just reading some of these questions more about um, hiring and interviews. And one thing that that reminded me of Monica's um, one time I completely tanked someone's interview um, because he did not, he like refused to look me in the eye. It was me and like my male counterpart. And he did not look at me once during the interview or direct any questions at me. And I was just like, hmm, that's, that's just not going to fly. Like you, I don't know what your problem is. Um, but if you cannot be in the same room as me and like, and show respect, then I don't care how good you are. He worked at Instagram or something, you know, it's like, I don't care. Like what's something is up. So, um, so yeah, like those things will, those things will tank your interview way more than if you like, can't build a linked list, whatever that is. Honestly, I don't even know what these things are anymore. Like I need to go back and read crack the coding interview. I'm so out of practice. Um, <laughs> but the second that Taylor, this literally the same thing happened to me. This is when I was still pretty junior in my career. I think it was maybe only eight months to a year after I started, we had someone who was in an interview. It was me and, uh, another male colleague who was at my same level, by the way, he had actually started after me. Um, but he was only making eye contact with the male colleague and it's awkward. Like you said, you're not going to like lean over and try to make a big deal out of it, but you notice it, you feel it. It's very uncomfortable for you when, you know, you ask a direct question and that question is blatantly not addressed or addressed back to someone that's not you. And I did bring it up in our, in our debrief and our, our VP at the time, his response, this is just kind of like a rant hot take, um, but I just need to get it out. He, he said something like, well, you know, maybe he was just intimidated by you. And that's not my, like, that's not a me problem. I'm sorry. Thank you, Tiffany. I see you nodding along with me. Thank you. If you're intimidated by me, like that's, that's on you. Yeah, we're going to have a tough time working together. together. So I'm not the one leaving. (laughs) And we did hire. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, I, I'm laughing at this question from Ron about how you deal with a candidate. That's an actual imposter. Um, (laughs) I've I've had some, honestly, I've had some. There's actually, there's a Taylor. What's the, um, what's the like, not, the opposite of imposter syndrome. It's called, that is it's the, called the it's called the Dunning Kruger effect or something like that. Yeah, you're which right. Is, it, that's what it is. Oh, thank you. I couldn't see who that who was that. Omri. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, the Dunning Kruger effect. And I and the the best thing apart about this was that I sent it to Monica. I was like, oh, this is the opposite of imposter this syndrome. And Monica's like, Monica's like, oh my god. My first thought is, what if I have this too? <laughs> like, you can't have both. You either think you're an imposter or you think you're the queen of the world, but like you cannot be both. LOL, Omri, next podcast, Dunning-Kruger. That's hilarious. I would love to see. I think we have a lot to learn. I feel like we're on an Instagram live, Monica. It's like people are like writing comments and we're just responding. It's, it's, this is fun. It's an um, this is the AMA we've always wanted to do. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks for the participation. Y- y'all are like writing so much stuff. I can't even keep up, but, um, <laughs> Honestly, we have a lot to learn from uh, from the Dunning Kruger folks because, like, that is the energy that we need to embody. If you're feeling like an imposter, it's and someone wrote "fake it till you make it" earlier. Like, you just really have to be like, okay, I'm feeling like an imposter, but I just got to keep going. Like, I need to just act like I know what I'm doing. And or or honestly, better than that, just ask someone. If you are actually lost, don't pretend you know what you're doing for a few days. 
and your manager comes back to you and is like, Hey, like I haven't seen a, a pull request for a, for a couple of days. Like what's up. And you're, so you say you're stuck. They're like, no, 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 like come to me. They don't want you spinning your wheels for that long. Um, so that is hilarious. Dunning Kruger. Um, I was going to go into something else, but I got distracted. Um, yes, yes. Dunning. Yeah. Okay. So you got takeaway from this is you cannot have both. You cannot have imposter syndrome and the Dunning Kruger effect. You think you, if you think you have the Dunning Kruger effect, you, you don't yeah. have it. Cause these are people that are not self-aware enough to reflect and think they have, one, <laughs> think they have this. Um, I want to go back to stuff about resumes. I'm seeing like a lot of resume questions and I'm not sure. I don't know what the codesmith, uh, like answer to this is. So I'm again, not a codesmith representative, but for me, um, I've never personally gotten a job because I have submitted my resume to uh, like an online portal. The only times that I get jobs are if I directly email um, like a network, like a friend of a friend or some contact I find, like directly target them and then get them on the phone and talk to them. Um, or I find a recruiter. So when you're a software engineer, you guys, you'll find that recruiters hit you up all the time, pretty much every day. We get three to five every single day. So once you're, once you're in, you're fine. You'll, you'll get jobs. The first job is the, is the tough one. Um, but that's when you're using your network, use LinkedIn, make sure your LinkedIn has like, is up to date, has your top line. Someone can look at it and say, oh, okay, this person has done this in the past. They're considering a transition to tech. They've done this boot camp, whatever. Um, have your kind of mission statement up there and just make sure that people can use that to learn about you. And then reach out to people there, but in a really personalized way. The thing that bothers me the most is when people say, Hey, like, I see you work at Headspace. I'd love to pick your brain. I'm like, okay, you clearly just Googled Headspace employees and sent this to all of us. And then I can see that they're friends with all of my coworkers. And I'm just like, that's not like, I will help you if you have looked at my profile and you say, Oh, wow. I, I noticed you've done, you did a boot camp. I'm considering a boot camp. Like how was that switch? And you ask me the questions in that message, maybe build the rapport and then maybe um, build up to that maybe a 15 minute call or something. Asking someone to commit to a 30 minute phone uh, Zoom call is a lot, especially now if people are so Zoom fatigued. Um, but doing your research and like only asking people that that you've kind of researched and you feel like there could be a connection there. And it's all about like building connections with people because people want to help you. Like I want to pay it forward for all the times that people helped me in the past. Um, because I did not get to where I am on my own. I got to where I am because people took a chance on me, hired me when maybe I didn't have all the qualifications. Um, and so all that is a long way of saying, I don't recommend just blasting a resume out. Resumes are, you know, like a necessary evil. Everyone asks for them, but that shouldn't be your first contact point with, um, with anyone at a company. Like I would try to get someone to vouch for you or a friend, like someone who's actually a friend of a friend that you can kind of talk to rather than like a cold, um, cold email. Monica. Um, I would say the same, the, the thing about, I get a lot of also requests of people I've never met before asking me to hop on a video call with them. Um, and that makes me a little uncomfortable if I'm being honest. Um, if you have questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. I always prefer to answer them in text form because I can do it sort of asynchronously and think about my answers and then, you know, sort of write them down versus if, if I'm on a call and it's someone I haven't met, there's a lot of pressure and I, I probably actually won't give you as good an answer because I have to give it to you right then. I don't have time to, uh, to like noodle on it as much. Um, I want to uh, touch on this question that Angela wrote. How do you get over that freeze feeling when you don't know how to do something? Because this happens to me almost every day, uh, or at least when I have a new project or a new technology that I have to work with that I haven't a lot. And my first thought is like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't do anything. And it's and it gets into sort of like an analysis paralysis situation where the, the whole thing seems very overwhelming and you have no idea how you're going to get from here to finished product. Um, and so just breaking the actual problem down into the smallest, smallest possible pieces. And this is something that I've definitely like a muscle. I've definitely had to work over and over again. I'm definitely not perfect at it, but we have some other like 
really, really experienced engineers on the team. And so I'll see the way that they approach problems. And we use uh, an agile framework called JIRA, which is basically just how we break up our big projects into smaller tasks. And before the start of a project, engineers are supposed to create what's called like tickets for themselves. And I use that as an opportunity to sort of identify what are really, I don't want to have a ticket that will take me more than like a couple days at a time. So if I have one task that looks like it's a week's worth of work, then it needs to be broken down into, into smaller pieces. And then once you have all of those pieces, then it's, then it becomes much more manageable because you can just say like, okay, uh, what is what makes the most sense to start with? Because usually you'll have, you know, your tickets will kind of build on each other and they'll be related to each other. So you can't really uh, tackle X until you've done this other portion of it first. Um, and again, it's like, it's still something that I struggle with. Like I'm always going back and kind of, once I've gotten into it, like uh, revising my tickets. Um, another thing that I, I'm really, really a big advocate of, uh, and this is pretty like engineering specific, but I do feel like it can translate to other disciplines too. Just really like, if it's not code, it depends on like what your medium is. But whenever we have uh, a big technical project to work on, uh, we'll do what's called like a spike, which is really, it shouldn't take more than a day, uh, maybe half a day. And you're just writing like, the dirtiest like MVP proof of concept that you can just to see if your idea of how you're going to implement it will work. Um, and if it does, then, then that's really like where you start um, creating the rest of your tickets, probably writing some documentation around it as well to get, um, I'm always looking for feedback and buy-in on the ideas that I'm proposing because, you know, it, it sounds great in my head, but the reason that we work on a team is because other people bring different experiences and they might have seen, you know, something not work so well in the wild before or have some other like really, really key feedback. And you always want to get that in the beginning because I've also been in the situation where everything's great until you find a bug in your program at the last minute before you're going to release. And it basically means you have to rewrite uh, the whole thing. So, uh, so I guess the, the two key points, cause I feel like I've been talking for an hour now are, um, do like a quick and dirty, uh, like implementation or sketch or whatever it is first, just to kind of get the idea rolling. And then after that, uh, take that and break it into more manageable pieces for how the polished version should look. Thank you, Monica. Um, okay, I'm seeing a lot of stuff about performance reviews and um, uh, I really like your point, Omri, about uh, like test anxiety and, and getting accommodations for like in, in interviews, if you have anxiety and you're not, maybe not as charismatic or like you just are really nervous and can't be yourself, um, how debilitating that can be. But I'm pretty distracted, Monica, because we have our first hater in the comments and I'm cracking up and I think he left. But if anyone saw this comment, I mean, I'm just dying of laughter because th maybe this is the person that I didn't hire um, saying that we're simple people in software engineering who don't know the simplest stuff about data structures and algorithms. And so so this this, ladies and gentlemen, is a beautiful illustration of why imposter syndrome um, plagues women, because there are some men, not all, not all men, but there are some men. And I'm just guessing this is a man by the name Marco Shiva. I don't know, could be a woman, but um, but somewhat like the <laughs> the intention to to put um, to put the speakers of an event down, like like so quickly put put us down because I made a joke that I don't know what a linked list is. Um, I mean. 
That's tough. We're, I'm, we're ashamed for laughing about firing people who know more than you because he didn't want to talk to you. It wasn't firing. It was not making a hire yeah. because they were only communicating with 50% of the interview panel. Yeah. I mean, I mean, crazy, agree, but agree to disagree on this one. And this, this kind of, this kind of also brings up a great point of like, you are not going to gel with every company you, ha- you interview or the people that work at those companies. Um, like there's a reason I've, I've left previous jobs. Um, you really need to get the culture right for who you are. And a lot of these interview questions have a lot to do with that. So like Omri, the test anxiety, if you are, this kind of sounds like dating. If you are, um, if you're interviewing at a place that you have this overwhelming anxiety and you cannot, like they are not helping put you at ease. Um, and you just feel like you are not able to even get through that interview because you feel so uncomfortable and judged by the people in the interview. It's not the place for you. That's not somewhere you want to work. And you're never going to be able to learn from those people. The thing that I look for when I'm interviewing is like, do I feel comfortable with these people? Even though it's a super stressful situation, I'm not going to feel comfortable. I'm not going to like be chilled out. But like, do I feel like these people can give me feedback and I can take their feedback and not feel like a huge idiot? Um, that, that's how I felt like in my first interviews, um, (laughs) interviewing is so much like dating. LOL. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and so, so people like this who like want to put you down and want to use their years of experience or like their menial knowledge of data structures and algorithms that I never use in my job. Sorry, Marco. Like it, you know, if you want to hold on to that and have a feather in your cap, then that's good. I would love to know where you work. Um, but you know, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm not usually this feisty, but that our first, this is our first, this is our first hater. So Monica, you know, we've made it when we get, when we get the hate comments. Um, and maybe people listen to our podcast and say this quietly to themselves, but, um, but look, you guys, this is, this is like who we are. We, we, we're joking and we're like, downplaying our own, our own achievements. But the reality is that we're really successful engineers that work at a great company. So, you know, we're, we, we know what we're talking about, even though we don't feel like always feel the, feel the most confident and our best. Um, okay. That's my rant. Do you want to talk about performance interviews Monica, or performance reviews? Performance reviews. People are asking, people are saying like, how do you not let imposter syndrome uh, make you make you rate yourself lower on, on performance reviews? Oh, I think it does. Like, <laughs> I think, it, I think it definitely does. Like I've never, I've never given myself, um, our scales usually like one to five. And I think I always like sprinkle some fours in there to, to sort of keep myself in check. And then, you know, like secretly hope that my manager gives me a five. Um, and he usually does. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 I don't, I, I like to think, you know, also like keeping my, keeping myself humble. It's nothing wrong with a four. It's like a solid B. Um, and, and also, um, I think, I think it's also important to acknowledge that there's room for improvement. Like I also used to be like very, very afraid of performance reviews, always assuming, the worst. Uh, it never went that way. Um, there was, you know, earlier, uh, in my career path where I was getting more, uh, feedback from people who were, you know, saying that I should grow my technical muscle more. Um, whether that was just, you know, because I was a woman or because I was, was like more junior at a time. I'll never know. Uh, but fortunately we took that, um, that piece, uh, out of our review framework anyway, uh, which was, which was nice. So now it's, it's much more general and, um, and I, yeah, I think it's always, you should, you should never really be shocked by a performance review. Um, if you are, then there's some serious miscommunication, I think, on your manager's behalf, because and this is also why I, I get frustrated with these like annual or uh, biannual performance review cycle, because it's I think you should always be getting feedback, because if you don't, if someone has you know feedback for you, 
constructive or congratulatory, that's always better delivered, uh, you know, within a certain time window, not four months after it happened. Um, and especially with constructive criticism, I, you know, I would get very frustrated if someone called me out on something that I had done in the previous quarter, but their excuse had been like, oh, well, it wasn't the review cycle. Um, so I think, and I had a manager that, that did that to me once, um, although he was also blatantly just kind of like making stuff up, which was annoying for other reasons. Um, but I gave him that, I gave him that feedback, uh, in person because, my um my sort of like self-doubt and imposter syndrome was outweighed by just kind of the rage that i felt uh toward him for making these very sort of like vague uh constructive uh criticisms on my feedback uh report which is you know it's like your personal record uh at your company at least um so so yeah i we had a conversation and I basically asked him, um, you know, where's the Slack conversations? Like, where's the documentation of uh, all of these, you know, claims that I didn't communicate something correctly or, you know, that I had uh, misstepped somewhere. Uh, and, you know, like, shocker, uh, there was no documentation to um, back any of this up. So. Oops. Yeah, I mean, performance re reviews are just, it, it's kind of your opportunity to, you know, whether whatever you grade yourself, like, use it as an opportunity to compile, like be compiling over time lists of things that you've done amazing or things you've gotten accolades for. Um, and just dump it all there and like show, you know, like, here are the things that I've done. What, what I rate, what I rate myself or not, like, these are the things I've done. You can't argue with that. And, um, and in reviews, people are just looking for you again, to be self-aware, to be reflective. And, and yeah, I would say like, if you have an instinct, if you, if you have a hunch that you're, you're maybe grading yourself lower, grade yourself a, like a bump higher, you know, like test it out. I've graded myself high and, and my manager has been like, okay, mm, I think you're actually here. And I'm like, okay, you're right. They're not going to say, wow, like Taylor, you, you are way off. You, you you're fired for thinking that you're better yeah. than you are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly what Monica was saying. It shouldn't be the only time you're having that conversation with your manager about where you stand. You should have those hopefully like monthly or, or biweekly, um, and, and you should know. So it shouldn't be like this once, once a year time where you're having to evaluate, you should have like a pretty good idea and you should be on the same page. Um, and, and yeah, maybe ask for more meetings with your manager if you're not getting that. Um, or you can ask your peers for feedback too. That's always an option. Um, or someone that you work with really closely on your team, maybe that works on your same platform. I have mentors on the iOS team that I'll ask for feedback or they'll give it to me. Um, and, and that's really helpful too, because they, they are really seeing your technical skills like day to day. Um, let's see. Okay. I see stuff about building reputate, like some rep on stack overflow, GitHub, um, and just like how, like getting that first job, like how do you, yeah, feeling like you don't know enough to get the first job. Um, and guess what? You're not, you're going to feel like, I, I don't know if you're anything like us, you're going to feel like you don't know enough to get your first and your second job. Um, but it's so, so you kind of have to get over it. And, and again, focus on the place. Like, is this a place where that, that cares about learning and like is going to kind of take me in and help me learn? Or, I mean, you could spend maybe a year like building your own app and getting it on the app store. That's another option that some people do. That's not for me. I'm not someone that can just independently work and get kind of learned that way. I knew I needed to learn from a mentor, which is why I took an internship. And so if you're feeling pressure of like, I need to get that like first six figure job, and you don't feel ready, then, then maybe that's not, you're not ready for that job. And, and you can take a lower paying job or a more junior developer job where you're really going to learn and like learn fat, really fast, much faster than you can learn on your own. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like stop yourself feeling like you don't know enough and, and just kind of stay stuck in that place of like, I need to teach myself more. I need to teach myself more. Cause, um, you probably don't even know what you don't know yet until you interact with those things on the job. 
Um, so personally for me, that's, I'm, I'm not someone who's like working on a side project app to teach myself. Like I learn on the job. That's how I learn. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never answered a question on stack overflow. I've come close. I've been like, huh, I could answer that. And then I haven't, um, Monica, have you answered anything? No. So like no. all of these, all of these like <laughs> extracurricular things, I'm like Taylor, I learn on the job, even if there's a new technology that I'm interested in, I'm going to branch off of our existing code base and like build a feature. Uh, like I was talking about with spikes, I'm going to build it on our existing production scale app because it already has all of this infrastructure set up. I know the architecture pattern, like I like everything's in. And so I can just kind of test this one thing. I want to see how it works in isolation without having to set up a build environment, which like I'm so exhausted by the time I set up a new build environment that I'm never going to finish that project anyway. And same with like answering things on Stack Overflow and you have to build up your reputation. And I think before you can even answer someone's question you have to i don't know like upload or downvote there's a certain like you earn points and that's just it's so much cognitive overload for me you know like i have a life there's other things i like to do besides code um and and so that is that's just that's just not really for me and and we've already both shared you know we're getting messaged by recruiters constantly throughout the week um at really, really like great companies. And they, you know, they're not asking us if what our rank on Stack Overflow is uh, or what side projects you're working on. I think if you're very junior, like those things can help you, but I don't think that it's a blocker from getting a job. I think like Taylor said, if you want to focus on that and, and building up your reputation by doing your own sort of projects and contributing, to the community or contributing to an open source project that's one way to go but i think another and like very viable way to go is to just kind of rip the band-aid off and and start interviewing and the way that i would approach it is find random companies like find companies uh jobs that you're really not interested in just so that you can start building that muscle like it's annoying because software engineering interviews, I think, are so disconnected usually from the job that you're actually going to be doing. So it's you just have to practice like you just have to do a bunch of interviews and kind of learn more about what sort of questions that they're going to ask. Um, and eventually you'll start to see these sort of patterns in like the data structure algorithm questions or like the system design questions, which I think is an even smaller pool. and then, you know, by the time that you start building up your confidence in interviews, then maybe it's time to start lining up interviews at the companies that you actually want to work at. Such a great point. And, and I would funnel my energy in again into the networking rather than um, the side projects answering questions, um, because mm -hmm. that is going to pay off. And, and guess what? If you interview somewhere that even if it's your dream company and you don't get it, you still have, um, and if you have great communication skills and like you show passion, but maybe you're not there technically, you've just built a connection with that person, that recruiter, maybe that engineering manager, and you can use that, you know, it's not what you want to hear at the time, but that those are the connections that are going to be really valuable later on. Um, okay. I'm looking at other questions that we missed. Okay. I like this one. Do you feel like as a woman, you need to come to an interview prepared a level of like 150% to be able to stand out more against male, more experienced candidates? Yes. Um, yes. But on the other hand, I think as a, like, because there are so few women, like you are noticed, you are not the cookie cutter mold of who's coming in, um, of, of who's normally coming in for an interview. So, um, so you're noticed, it's not like you're, like it, once you're in the door, especially, and guess what? Companies want to hire more women. I've had recruiters like specifically say that to me in, um, in emails. I had, I talked to a woman at Netflix who literally said, um, we want more women. Um, a lot of women, uh, enter the workforce. I mean, sorry, they, uh, they enter the workforce and then they get pregnant and then they leave, um, engineering. And that's why there aren't that many of them. So we're trying to get more. We have a female engineering manager. So literally said that to me, I was like, wow. Okay. Um, and, 
and you know, men, men, you're going to be okay. Like there are still jobs for you, but, but for women, I mean, a lot of companies are trying to balance the scales because, uh, they really don't have that many female engineers. Monica and I are for, we basically have one woman on each engineering team at Headspace. So it's, we're probably operating like under 10% of the whole engineering org are women. And, um, and that's the most I've ever been around. (laughs) So it's so, so yes, Yes, I do feel like I need to really prove myself. Um, but like once you're in the door, just just take it. Just just forget, forget the fact that you're a woman, whatever. Um, and like use that as your opportunity. Like, like do not take that opportunity for granted. Um, and and I think, I mean, I, I think everyone feels this way going in an interview. Like you need to be your absolute best. And that's kind of where some of the stress comes from. But I really feel like if you're yourself, like I've definitely interviewed people that I can tell they're they're nervous. Um, but if I'm able to guide them and like communicate with them and figure out like where the breakdown's happening and, and feel like I can work with that person, it's, it's going to still speak volumes. It doesn't have to be a perfect interview where you go up to the whiteboard and go done. Um, so, so yeah, I know interviews are, are terrible. Um, they suck. Like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to say about it. <laughs> Uh, Melissa, you asked, do you feel the need to periodically do interviews even when you have a job mm. just in case? Um, I I feel like I should be, but I don't. Um, so like, yes, I feel the need, but no, I don't do it. <laughs> interviews. Um, I have a, a really good friend um, who is always, always interviewing and she has moved roles a lot of times and it's it's worked out really well for her. Um, but, and so she definitely like flexes that interview muscle a lot. And I know when she, a couple times, a couple years ago when she was, uh, looking to leave her, her current role and gearing up for interviews, I know she was kind of heads down in cracking the coding interview for like two or three hours every night after work, uh, just cause she wanted to go to one of, um, I think like a, Facebook, Amazon, Google uh, level where they are very, very much asking those sort of like medium hard level data structure algorithm questions. So she knew that that was a muscle she really need to strengthen and, and flex. Um, but uh, so I know that that's definitely like common. Um, for me, I just don't, I feel like a little bit of pressure mainly because I know people are, are doing it. Um, but I've, like I said before, like I've been at Headspace for five years and I started out as an intern um, and now I'm senior engineer and I'm a co-chapter lead of the of the Android team. Um, I've sort of built up uh, a good reputation for myself, which I've worked really hard uh, to do so. And I, I treasure that. Um, it's I feel like it, it holds a lot of value, especially as a woman in the tech industry, uh, it's it's not so easy to do that. Um, and and I really like my coworkers, uh, and I have a lot of technical influence at this point, um, just because of the value that I've added over the past few years. Um, and so that that alone sort of like keeps me engaged. Um, and you know, not I don't know if something could change tomorrow, but uh, as of right now, I, I just don't feel the need to, um, be like looking around. Yeah, I'd say I take, um, I take calls once in a while, if it's from a good company that I want to build, I want to network with, but I probably usually won't go past like the initial conversation. Like I'll, I'll talk to the person, make that connection, hold on to it in my back pocket for later when I actually want to leave, um, and be transparent about that but I usually won't do a technical interview just to practice. Cause like Monica said, I mean, what, that's kind of torturous. Like why do that for yourself? But you, you really want to like, if you're interviewing, you want to be in that headspace. And if you're not, if you're not studying, like you're not going to do that well. So why, why do that to yourself? And then, you know, <laughs> make yourself feel bad. Um, there's a question about women being more supportive of other women in the industry. Are, are, do we find that women are more supportive of other women in the industry or are males more likely to be supportive mentors? Um, I think I've seen both. I, there are definitely women that if, if, if a, there's, there's going to be competition, right? Whenever there's like a scarcity mindset of like, there aren't that many jobs, there aren't that many women, only certain women are getting the job. Then, then 
that's like a natural feeling of like, Oh, like that woman is, you know, hired for that position. Like there's, they're the token woman on the team. Um, but I, I found that like the women that are more real with me, like we're having real conversations about imposter syndrome, like me and Monica, um, those are the ones that I can really vibe with and get the support from. If I'm, if I talk to a, a woman in engineering, that's like, I feel like is trying to like one up me or prove how much technical knowledge they have. I'm like, no, thanks. You know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need that energy around me. Um, I, I found, I found a lot of really supportive men, um, but then some not supportive men. So you, it just really, like, I don't think it's a black and white answer on that one. You just kind of have to feel out who you feel comfortable with and who you feel like you can, you can feel like you're stupid around or like, or on the other hand, feel like you're really smart around and who gives you, who like builds you up. Um, okay. Like I know we have one minute, so I don't know when we get cut off Ashley, but there are so many questions. You guys are so engaged. Um, Ashley, what, what do we do here? You're definitely welcome to continue on. It's your time, your podcast. So I'm not going to stop you. (laughs) Okay. Um, let me just scan a couple more. Um, okay. Okay. I don't know if this answered, how do you feel about applying for jobs? Uh, okay. Look at all the requirements and I feel like I don't have all the skills. Um, yeah, don't worry about that again. Like I ignore the, the details of the, of the job posting. Um, and actually when I got hired at Headspace, it was for a senior role. Like this, the role posted was senior engineer. And I only had two years, two years of experience experience. I was not at that level, but I networked through a mentor of mine, a mentor of mine got that recruiting email from Headspace and then passed it on to me. And so I was able to directly contact that recruiter and be like, Hey, I'm interested. She brought me in because she was interested by my story. It's different shows like a passion for learning. And so they still brought me in for the interview, even though I was not qualified at all. Like they, that posting was probably for five plus years of experience. And, um, they ended up just making a, a position for me. Like they didn't hire me into that position, but they just hired me at a lower position. So that'll happen sometimes if you get in and they really, really like you, but maybe you're not a senior, they'll just hire you as a junior, or you know, a different level. So don't let that stop you. Yeah. Apply anyway. Exactly. Um, supportive have you found the general environment of a tech? <laughs> okay. How supportive have you found the general environment of a tech workplace? It like, it, again, it, it really depends on the company. It really, really depends. Like, and, and again, you're going to feel that in the interview. If you feel like, oh, this would be a great person to learn from based on the feedback he gave me. I say he, cause it's a lot of men he or she gave me, um, you know, then, then maybe you're, or, and if you really identify with the mission, I think for both Monica and I, the mission is really important and companies that have a stronger mission, um, oftentimes are a stronger mission that maybe is, is more in line with helping people and, you know, doing some kind of greater good, that environment in general will be better because people that want to work at that company are also kind of trying to do something for the greater good. So, uh, not always, but, <laughs> but, um, that's something again, like you really want to feel out in the interview and ask about and ask about how supportive people are. And if people are, you know, asked to work on weekends and like, really like, like, you know, are they, are they killing themselves to get the job done? Or is it, um, you know, a place that values work-life balance. That's something that really has to, has to be there for me personally. I'm seeing a lot of questions about, um, the, the recording of the podcast. So we, uh, we're going to hopefully record uh, the audio session and release it next week uh, on our on our podcast, and then we we will also the the video recording is going to be available on uh, on the Coatsmith YouTube, um, which will also include a link to uh, when we release our podcast. So there will be uh, there will be multiple multiple ways to uh, relive this experience. <laughs> And, um, and we've had, we have about 13 podcasts out, Monica, and we have a guest. Yeah. Yeah, And we've had a lot of guests. So, um, you know, don't just take it from us. You can also listen to our guests. Um, we've had mostly women. We've had one man. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, that's a really fun one, but, but yeah, like you can hear from a lot of different women that experience this at all stages in their career. Um, and they have a lot, there's a lot of good advice on there. We have negotiation episodes, um, we haven't done one specifically about interviewing. And so this is kind of like great. Um, I really want to though, because honestly, like I yeah. need to learn from. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there from mentoring and leading teams, um, maybe being more introverted. So 
So everything, there's something for everyone on there. And, um, thank you. I'm sorry. We, we didn't hear your voices, but like, thank you for you guys. You guys wrote so much in the chat that we didn't even need to like ask the group to talk. Um, but there's so much stuff in here. Um, you can always, so like plug for our Instagram, which is really embarrassing. Like I am not a content creator. So like, if anyone has let me know and give me some tips, it's pretty bad. Um, but you can follow us on there. I'll, I'll type it in the chat, but, um, you can DM us there and we can answer you. And, uh, and yeah, that's a great place to, to find us. And we're, we're always happy to help. Like the reason that we talk in the way that we do and, and kind of like the less technical stuff is because we want more people to feel like this is an accessible career for them and that you don't have all these barriers to entry. Like you need to have this perfect resume and perfect technical interview. Like you really don't, and you can still, you can still learn all these skills. So don't forget that. (laughs) Yeah. I I know we did probably miss quite a few questions in the chat because they were coming in um, so quickly. So if your question was not answered, please DM it to us, uh, because we absolutely would love to do another sort of AMA, uh, episode on the podcast and, and dive in deeper, uh, cause these were all such great questions and I feel like we covered so much, but I feel like there's also so much more that we didn't get to. And so if we could do, you know, round two of this, that would be awesome. So you're saying um, if someone wanted to reach out to you, the best thing to do would be um, to just DM you via the Instagram channel? Yes, that would be amazing. Okay. And it, yeah, impost, impost her pod. Yes, definitely. And you can leave, you guys subscribe, rate and review, you know, like all good podcasts. We have 35 reviews. We got to get that up, people. We got to build this audience. Um, so if you like, <laughs> if you liked what you heard, um, I'm so glad we had our first hater and you guys all got to witness. That, that was amazing. Us. It's almost that like was... we plugged him, but like, I swear we did not. <laughs> I wish I got it before he logged off, man. Like just logged off, like such a weenie. Oh like he didn't even want to imagine like a confrontation. Oh man. Oh, that been I mean, so I would have said that to his face. Like that was great. I, you know, whatever. I'm going to find him on LinkedIn right after this. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to LinkedIn his boss and let him know what he's up to. And, in, in, in panels, tearing women down, uh, Taylor, I, sla- I, slacked you. I slacked you his comment so we can have it forever. Oh, I took a screenshot. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, perfect. Um, okay. yeah, <laughs> I got it. Uh, that's when we know we, we've made it. You guys, folks, you heard it here first. We've made it and we have haters. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's it. Um, thanks everyone for the questions again, DM us. Subscribe if you want to hear more of our beautiful voices. And this was fun. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but that was fun. <laughs> thank you so much, Taylor and Monica. Yes. This has been thank super you, Ashley, fun. For coordinating it. This was great. Of course. Yeah. And then always happy to do a round two. There are, I saw like 70 some people in this room. So those reviews, we yeah. have, to have at least 70 more today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we could have a hundred reviews, man. That would look nice. That would look nice. Yes. Yes. But thank you all so much for tuning in. And I'm sorry you experienced your first hater, but I guess, you know, milestones. We're going to make this a milestone. I'm I'm excited. (laughs) I'm feeling a lot of joy from it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to turn that around, you know, positive vibes, positive vibes only. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, thank you all. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all. Bye. See you all next time.